I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program reality. Welcome everyone to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. Your quarter episodes live in Allspace every week. You can join us from your PC or VR headset, log into Allspace, join our Simulation Nation channel, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Today, we have with us a very special guest. Uh, before she got all huge and involved in saving the world through the United Nations Act Now worlds of Al-Wasl Dome and Uluru, she was involved with such fan favorites as the Birding Earth of the Ecozone, the Merry Mad Tea Party of Birding Man 2020, the Super Polished and Charming Baba Yaga's Forbidden Forest, and many more. And did we mention that she's half of the team that built our very own Synthway Space Falcon on which you currently find yourselves gliding through the simulation itself? That's right, Kaz and Christy have a special place in our avatar hearts, and we're so stoked to have Christy on the stage to celebrate her work. Please give a warm emoji. Welcome for Christy. Here we go. Nice. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Good to see everyone. Mary Berry and uh, Cadillac and Patricia Boomer. Luis over there, of course, Kaz is in the audience. Uh, half of the, the wonderful team here. <laughs> Um, so we're uh, we're very uh, excited to have you. This is a long time coming. I think first time uh, we were you know introduced to you. I guess you know so you know our we're on episode fourteen of World Builders of Old Space now. Episode number three was Cause. Yeah. And, uh, you are now episode fourteen. So we're so happy uh, to have the other half of this incredible team. You know, Lennon McCartney, Jagger, Richards, Lillian Vanilli, and of course <laughs> here we are. How's it, Chris? <laughs> Very happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, we'll, um, like I said, we're very uh, excited also that you guys helped us build this world. So everyone uh, can see around us sort of the simulation and we're a more maybe ideation part of this one, but we're really happy to have you here. And uh, we know you're on the East Coast and we'd love that you're up to, to uh, celebrate all your work with us because there's a lot to do. A lot to go through. You guys are very busy, and you uh, are very busy in your own right. Um, you know, I think that they actually the first time uh, we I I was um, aware of your work was when I was doing the event with Athena during Burning Man twenty twenty one, and uh, I just had on the screen here I had this video of the eco world. This globe is <laughs> sort of glowing in flames, and I had no idea that you did that. I was just so impressed with it. <laughs> and it was one of my favorite little things of Burning Man 2021. And then it oh. turned out it was yours and you were in the audience. And I believe you won our NFT that day. So hopefully that's... Uh, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, so uh, in any ways, we've been a fan uh, for quite a while. And uh, I really am curious and interested to get into the origin story, find out how yeah. uh, this wonderful uh, world builder came to be. So maybe you could just talk us through how you got involved in VR and world building. Yeah, um, happy to share. Uh, the origin story, I guess, working on you know world building and alt space VR for social VR events, that was a long time coming. I, I was in the VR space well before ever stepping foot into social VR. <laughs> Um, I was pleasantly surprised the first time I came into alt space and realized this was a whole nother <laughs> sector of virtual reality. Um, I, I really got started in 3D design, I'd say back in around 2018, I believe it was, uh, during my schooling. Um, so back then I was a student at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and I took a green architecture and sustainable design class. And we were tasked with redesigning city streets with sustainability and social capital principles in mind. Um, so that's what really inspired me towards creating 3D environments and, and mock-ups for, for planning purposes. Um, and then after that, I, I took plenty of other courses at UNC uh, related to emerging technologies, learning how to fly drones and model in Maya, which now I use Blender because it is free and I'm no longer right. a student. Um, right. And as well as 360 content. Um, so I got into immersive storytelling uh, from kind of a journalism and training perspective, uh, initially through interactive 360 content. Um, 
after working on the planning side of things through 3D content. Um, and I'd say after creating a few projects in school, I uh, quite a few different labs on our campus engaged in VR because um, we have multiple departments and they all have their own VR lab. Um, they, they'd asked me to be an RA or an intern or a fellow. And so I just started working for different VR labs on campus, giving workshops and going and helping students learn how to use VR and create experiences in VR. Um, and from there, I was scouted for a project that turned into my thesis project. Um, that was a virtual reality simulation uh, focused on training for building empathy in providers to improve patient communication. Um, so it was actually a patient point of view interactive simulation. And that thesis, I defended it right around the beginning, right before the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I graduated around the same time. I was went on full time at UNC at the same time and came into alt space at the same time and started building. Oh, wow. So all that stuff kind of started happening around the same, the same period of time. <laughs> wow. So that's a, uh, that's pretty cool. So what led you, uh, before we go out to your, your VR work and hear it, everything, what led you to, um, being in immersive technologies and was that your major or, uh, or just courses you were interested in? It was it was part of my major. Um, so I actually I did a really neat program here at UNC. It was an environment and science communication dual degree program. So my undergrad was in environmental science, learning GIS, you know, mapping um, and just about sustainability principles, renewable energy and that kind of stuff. And that was paired with a master's program in our school of media and journalism. And our school here at UNC, we um, have a professor who teaches an emerging technologies class and has a VR lab. And so I got very involved with his class and then his lab and just started really focusing on emerging technologies, virtual reality for raising awareness and storytelling, you know, to go with that, that science communication so that we can, you know, share learning in a more immersive way and people can engage with content in ways that, will actually be able to recall later and, and think back right. uh, think back on, you know, spatially. Yeah. Hey, well, I mean, you're, you're, you clearly have found the right medium for you because you've done some incredible work that we're uh, going to get into today. And if, if anyone had any thoughts or questions for Christy, please use the raise hand option. We'll try to call on you in between the sections. Uh, Mary Barry, love the colors. Um, so, um, I think that your thesis project, if that was the one that has to do with uh, the, the um, patients from a first person POV, I do think we have a trailer here. So let's just show them. Oh, yeah. Where's Jamie? Jamie's coming, okay. Oh. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, the 40 us, second 2D teaser <laughs> for the interactive 360 um, simulation. And that is from a patient's perspective going through a trauma resuscitation um, in our we have a hospital here on campus, so it was in our ER. You actually start out waking up in the helicopter after a car accident. And so you can overhear air care calling into the hospital and describing an unrestrained passenger. And, you know, you kind of get that background of what's going on. Um, and as you come to, you start being able to see more of what's around you. And there are certain parts where you're kind of in and out of almost full consciousness where your eyes are closed and um, then you come back to and you can see your environment and meanwhile you can hear the whole time because one of the important things that our healthcare professionals in the hospital really wanted to emphasize was that the patient 
quite often if their eyes are closed, they can still hear what's going on in, you know, in their surroundings. And it's important for care teams to keep that in mind, you know, and throughout the whole process, you know, be thinking of them as a human part of the of their own care and not, you know, just someone on on the table mm -hmm. that they're treating. So right. um, there were quite a few aspects of the simulation that just really were meant to highlight that patient experience and considerations to have um, when you're when you're treating a patient going through a trauma resuscitation. Um, yeah. And throughout it, you users actually get to make choices on what happens next from the healthcare professional standpoint, like what they say next, how they interact with the patient. And then since you are in the patient's perspective, you immediately experience that communication decision um, from their perspective and see how that impacts the experience. Um, one of the most notable things that, for instance, you should, if you're a healthcare professional and you're in a trauma resuscitation situation is letting them know when certain big things are about to happen. Um, for instance, there's a, a log roll during um, the assessment when you're in the trauma bay and um, they'll actually roll you onto your side and then roll you onto your other side and they check your back. And that can be pretty jarring if you're not expecting it. And mm -hmm. in, in the past, it has been noted, you know, that patients weren't warned and, you know, that can really increase stress. So even little details like that, it's important to keep in mind, like how these experiences are, can be jarring for patients and, and that you want to guide them and let them know what's going on. They're part of the team. Right. Oh, and so um, curious, like from a technical point of view, you, you, it's great that you guys have these 3D cameras or, or I guess uh, yeah, 3D cameras there. Where did you direct the actors as well or were you involved with yeah. shooting? Yep. Oh. Um, I don't know. I guess these were short clips, so you couldn't really see. But in the actual simulation, if you're paying attention, I'm I'm actually standing in the background pretending to be a med student <laughs> so that I can right. be watching. I'm in scrubs and everything, and I'm watching everything so I can make sure, you know, that everyone's following what needs to be included and highlighted in, in the simulation. Um, but, yeah, right. it, I wrote up the whole script ahead of time. So part of the process for planning a project like this is going ahead and writing out the learning objectives and then the script of what should happen, all the decision points that you want to film the alternate scenarios for. Um, and then, you know, we actually did a focus group um, to find out additional things that should be considered for, for patient communication and care. Um, ran the script by multiple people and everyone signed off on it and then came filming, which was, you know, uh, a fun task in itself. We got to go up on the helipad and <laughs> go right. film in the helicopter and then down in the ER. Um, and then there were a few scenes actually that happened on two different days. Even in the trauma bay, there is a scene um, where air care first brings the patient into the trauma bay, meets the trauma care team. And those two scenes were filmed on two different days. So part of the post-production mm. process was merging those two 360 videos together to look like one 360 video where all those people were in the room at the same time, which was a, a fun masking adventure. Um, and then after that, after editing all the videos, comes adding interactions and then pilot testing right. it with residents and students. Wow. And is that an ongoing uh, project? Because you said you're still sort of involved with uh, the yeah. campus. Yep. Um, so we we have ongoing pilot tests. Um, initially, we tested it with residents in the hospital. So those are the people who actually are rotating through the hospital. Um, they're kind of next level from just our medical students who are in school because um, we have an on-campus hospital. Uh, and then we also piloted it with uh, our hospital has a partnership with the Army. So medical personnel from the Army, actually, when they're stationed here in the U.S., they don't see a lot of emergencies. Everyone <laughs> on base is pretty healthy and in mm. shape and safe. And so they have started doing rotations through our hospital and they got to take the simulation as well. Um, and now we're we're piloting with students here and 
working with our interprofessional education group to get the simulation in front of more students in different departments as well. Next up, I'd like to see is working with other universities (laughs) and other hospitals. Oh, yeah, no, that's great. And it's, I mean, uh, we've had a few people on the stage talk about uh, training, uh, using simulations to train as one of the first uh, ways that interactive storytelling will really have uh, an effect. So uh, I love that you're on the forefront of that. Um, So then, uh, okay, so how then did you get involved in uh, world building in uh, in Altspace? And do you world build in on the other platforms? Um, so getting involved in world building in Altspace, I guess really world building for Altspace started with, uh, Burning Man. I think that was the main inspiration. Um, I typically work on projects when there's a need, you know, I, I end up not having a lot of free time for, for playing around, um, which is unfortunate. I need to schedule free time. <laughs> um, right. but Burning Man came in and there was a need to help get some of the camps uh, here into alt space, represent their camps. So I um, helped one of the camps, the Merry Mad Tea Party, uh, their mm-hmm. Burning Man camp in, in the physical world. And they wanted to have representation here in alt space so that they could have virtual tea parties and talk about sustainability topics. That, that was how they approached me. <laughs> um, so oh. I, I helped them get that world set up. Um, they sent me pictures of what their camp looked like in, in the physical world. Um, so I kind of tried to emulate that at least where the tea party is and then use my imagination to <laughs> build out the rest of the environment. Um, right. And I think it was it was after Burning Man that uh, a few people you know, saw the engagement in both Cause and I's Burning Worlds that uh, we started getting approached to create worlds for events like large scale events. And right around the same time we were approached by Layla um, at that time, she was with mesh. Um, Mm. She, she was mesh. Um, She, she uh, brought us Baba Yaga, the Pitbull, um, Yunga, you and Yunga events and the solar fight night. Um, Those three projects uh, kind of, at, at times overlap. They were on three different event dates, but our building overlapped on those and they were a hit. And I think that kind of filled us in with like, yeah, this is really fun. We enjoy doing this. People enjoy it. So, right. Yeah. We're going to keep doing it. <laughs> right. Wow. Well, I, I have to ask, uh, how did you get involved with cause? Did you meet in the real world first? Did you meet in the virtual <laughs> world first? We got to get the salacious gossip out here. Yeah. This is the gossip center central here. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so we, we had mutual friends. So we, we actually met um, online at first through mutual friends. We just chatted about tech stuff because we had similar interests in blockchain um, and in tech in general. And then we met in person for the first time quite randomly at a burn, which was my first burn at the time. <laughs> um, he His camp got flooded out and he ended up coming and camping with our camp. Wow. <laughs> and that's, that's when we first met each other in person. Um, but we were in two different cities. Uh, I was, we're both in North Carolina, but I was up in Chapel Hill and he's about two and a half hours away in the Charlotte area. And so when the pandemic hit, uh, we were isolated, you know, in two different cities, quite a distance apart. And I had recently started coming into alt space for the educators in VR events and realized, well, this is a really cool platform. People, you know, are making real connections in here and uh, hanging out. And so I mentioned to Cos, hey, you should you should get a VR headset and hop in this alt space VR. <laughs> and so oh. at the beginning of the pandi- pandemic, he he did hop in alt space in 2D at first, but I think pretty quickly got a, a VR headset and we got to hang out in here <laughs> before I eventually started coming down to Charlotte after isolating, you know, for a long enough period. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, match made in metaverse have it. Hope you guys continue to make amazing worlds. And uh, I love that you have your your sort of solo uh, brilliance, and then you can bring it together to do uh, the double whammy. So love it, love it all. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's get into some of your uh, specific worlds here because there's a lot to go through. And uh, like I said, if anyone has any comments or questions for Christy as we go through, uh, please use the raise hand option, uh, even if it's a technical question or a question about how. Uh, Came up with the world or something like that. So I had to start with Golden Apple. Uh, so yeah. I live in Los Angeles. I'm, I uh, am a comic book geek. I've even adapted comic books for Fox and a bunch of other places. And so I uh, love Golden Apple. And when I saw you guys made this in the virtual world, I geeked out on it and uh, super cool. Um, and uh, I have to admit though, because you know, I know everything that's around it, and there's like a jiffy lube across the street and all that. And then you go to your world, it's like this, it's like almost like a post-apocalyptic golden apple. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, this is so different than I than it's reality. Um, in, in any case, how did you get involved with Golden Apple? Yeah, um, and and you're right. The street surrounding Golden Golden Apple, it'd be nice if if the other businesses nearby, you know, want some representation, we could add on to there that street. <laughs> But, be in the metaverse. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Come join your neighbor. Yeah. Um, but uh, we were actually um, brought this project by Athena and Doug. Um, they were connected with the folks at Golden Apple who wanted to come into VR. And um, mm -hmm. they originally wanted their shop to be built in VR so that they could host panels and during like WonderCon, have watch parties, and then actually have mm -hmm. creator, comic book creators come in and do Q and A sessions and stuff like that. So from there, we we ended up working through Doug and Athena. We we talked directly with the Golden Apple folks and got pictures. And um, I think Doug even went in there and took some 360 photos for us, so we could really get a sense of the inside of the shop and and match accordingly, um, right down to getting posters that they had up on the walls and making mm, the comic books. Yes, <laughs> 2D2. Um, and actually, okay, this is might be mind-blowing because for me, when I was creating the UV map, it was, but every single comic book in this virtual shop is unique and was available on their website. <laughs> so they were actual comic books that they had um, on their website and for sale at their store, um, as well as their own unique comics because they, they put out um, a couple of their own titles as well. So we had those by the front desk. Right. Yeah, I walked in there and I'm like, wow, it looks like you can pick up each of the comics. And it's almost like a snapshot in time because there's like, you know, Amazing Spider-Man, issue number 347 or whatever. And, and someone who really knows their stuff could figure out exactly when you made this <laughs> world based on the, yep. the date on the comic book. Um, <laughs> Speaking of Athena and Doug, of course, for those of you who don't know them, they are the BRCVR co-founders. And I did notice outside that you don't maybe have Jiffy Lube, but you do have a BRCRVR uh, as fr uh, front <laughs> to a store. So they do have their spot there. That's really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Okay. So so let's, uh, let's move along now because this one, although it has a sentimental favor for me, not necessarily your most... Uh, Labyrinth world. Uh, so this one here is very cool. We <laughs> call this uh, Sky Temple, and I just feel yeah. like I'm going to bump into Grimes in there. Like she should be just <laughs> like chilling in this in this place. So could you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah. So that scheduling free time, you know, and doing things just for fun thing I was mentioning earlier. I actually did that for this world. <laughs> this was just purely for fun. I wanted to design a relaxing, chill space. Um, and and I still am adding to it. Um, my plan is to add a kinetic sculpture garden. So I, I've created a kinetic sculpture um, and I put it in a kit and have it here in alt space already, but I have a few other ideas that I want to create. And eventually I'd like to fill out the multiple levels in this temple with a bunch of kinetic sculptures. <laughs> oh, that was pretty cool. And I, it wasn't, it wasn't lost on me that it's the coolest place for a lightsaber battle on the top level. Yes. You've got two lightsabers just waiting for someone to have a duel in the sky among the sky <laughs> temple i'm like oh yeah i gotta yep. get in here with somebody and have a good duel um, 
Yeah, those and those lightsabers, they were actually, um, I built them for uh, the group in here, Morpheus, who they've been bringing teams in, you know, for team building and um, events where different businesses with teams can come and hang out in VR. And they, there was a night that they wanted some lightsabers. So I just threw those together real quick. And then there was a night where I was just in Sky Temple and I was like, you know what? People might enjoy having a lightsaber battle in here. <laughs> cool. Toss them in there. <laughs> Very cool. So what is this? Uh, and by the way, for anyone who is just listening to this on the podcast two weeks from now or something, you can see this all on YouTube, the Simulation Nation, and we'll have all these slides and this whole uh, will show up there. And we are also going to put the world codes uh, in this in this uh, the, uh, episode yeah. notes so that anyone can uh, have, uh, join Altspace and Everyone still seems to be under the impression that it's very expensive to be involved in VR. For those of out you out there not in the metaverse yet, it is free to join Altspace, and you can do it from your PC. You don't actually need a virtual reality headset. You don't get the full effect, uh, but you right. will get to walk through these worlds and take a look at them and look all around. So I do recommend it. Uh, virtual reality, of course, is the best way to experience it, but you can also do it in 2D. So I'm just curious, though, about this uh, picture that you've got uh, in the center of the Sky Temple. It kind of is like, I guess that's the Sky Temple goddess. Is that who that is? <laughs> you, you could say that. Um, so that was okay. actually, I have um, some kind of ambient, chill music playing um, in the Sky Temple most of the time. Um, and, and that that picture um, was from the album that was playing at that time. Um, it. It's, it is funny that the music style kind of went with this chill, you know, kind of celestial aesthetic, but then the image <laughs> did as well. That was just a happy accident. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, uh, it, it definitely it definitely fits. Uh, and, and by the way, anyone here where uh, uh, Christy is, has been kind enough to take us on a world tour after the interview. So uh, take notes yeah. of any of these worlds you would love to visit. And of course, I have been, I am not able to cover all of her incredible worlds in this one little episode. So if you have a world <laughs> her that you love, then uh, we could, you can request that as well. And we do have a special case where we have worlds that are not available to the public. Christy has mm -hmm. access to that she's going to get us to later on. But we'll get to those in just a second. We're getting there. Got so much to go through. Okay, so uh, another sort of set of no favorite because this is the world. Captured this image in... Uh, I think it's 2021 um, Burning Man, Old Space. And this is before I knew even that you were involved in this. I just thought it was <laughs> super cool. And I was like, I got to capture this in video because the picture just won't do it justice. And then we found out that you were in the audience and, and here you are on our stage. So <laughs> maybe you could tell us a little bit about the eco world here. Yeah. Um, so for our, our second round of BRCVR, um, we created zones and the eco zone was one of them. And they're essentially served as kind of like camp neighborhoods where you could go through portals and access multiple different camps related to that zone's theme. Um, and so I created the eco zone uh, to feature some of our sustainability oriented camps, which included Merry Mad Tea Party and Dinner with a Whale and, and a few others, uh, you know, of the same mindset, which of course, all burners, you know, have, share the sustainability mindset, but these camps in particular uh, focus on facilitating conversations around sustainability and eco-friendliness. Um, and then I just had this image in my head of um, the weight of the world, you know, on the next generation's shoulders. And I that kind of inspired me to toy around with the idea of putting um, an earth on instead of Atlas's back, you know, the back of a child, like the, it is going to be our next generation, you know, kind of holding up the, <laughs> the world. And hopefully we, we help lighten that load <laughs> in, in, in the coming years. Um, and then of course, after, after I created that, I was like, you know what, this world should be on fire <laughs> and <laughs> created a little burning shader and then added the fire to urgency. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you can see there's a ramp that goes into it. And just for fun, because I like I like accuracy um, in terms of science. Uh, those are the layers of the Earth and they are correct in size relative to each other. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. 
That's very cool. And I guess now that we heard your origin story, origin story, this ties into your environmentalism and your uh, your studying in in that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Um, yeah. I, my whole goal uh, with working in the immersive space is to help raise awareness, you know, and educate, um, help people engage with uh, big concepts and scientific, you know, topics that can sometimes be abstract in nature and, you know, hard to get the full picture just reading reading about them in a textbook. <laughs> yeah, and I know as we go on, there's a lot of moving parts in a lot of your worlds. Um, for those of the out there who are just starting to world build, what programs do you use or what techniques would you recommend they uh, involve with? Yeah, um, so I do all modeling in Blender. Um, I, I learned Maya back in school, but I know Maya costs and Blender is free. <laughs> and I, I like Blender just as much as when I was working in Maya. Um, and typically for more complex animations, I so I'll do I'll model in Blender and then I'll also do the, the animations and the keyframes in Blender as well. Um, some simpler animations can come in the next step, which is Unity. Um, but typically, I like to go ahead and do them in Blender. Uh, and yeah, from there, you export out of Blender as an FBX. And if you did animate, you be sure to include <laughs> that data. And then in Unity, um, usually the Blender model that I've worked on is mostly the full scene itself. Um, and the Unity part is finishing touches. Uh, I usually do light baking there. Um, and occasionally I might have like separate FBX files that I modeled out and exported separately and just kind of add them into the scene. Um, and then from there you upload, it's pretty simple for Outspace. You, you have the plugin for Unity and you just log into your account and you can upload right from within Unity, which is really nice. <laughs> they, they have definitely made that part of the process simpler. And I appreciate that. <laughs> If anyone had any other technical questions, don't be uh, afraid to use the raise hand option um, and uh, and just go ahead and ask. Um, but we'll keep moving along here. Um, so this this was a pretty big event in Altspace. This was the Pitbull event. Where you had him using, I guess, the mesh technology to, to sort of have a hologram, a, 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 a photo reel hologram of him performing his concert. Is that right? Essentially, he, he was actually a, a green screen performer. Um, and the event itself is for um, the UN-sponsored Younga um, event, which is Bridging the Gap. Um, and, and that's a group focused on empowering youth and the voice of youth. And um, Pitbull was like their featured you know, guest performer. Um, so he, he, had, he did a, a performance that we added him into, you know, the scene, but then also animated the world around him so that as we flew through, you know, different locations in the world, um, holographic models would pop out of the screen behind him, you know, which was your viewport of the world and uh, float around uh, within around the dance floor and throughout the ship and then land in various places throughout the ship and, and stayed there for the rest of the night. So people could go up and look at these holographic rep representations of, you know, major world sites, um, as well as sustainable development goals. We had the 17 sustainable development goals pop out and put around and land as well. <laughs> This is the one that you after this is uh, Layla who is involved in Altspace. Yes. Uh, she she approached you and this was the, uh, your first one that you did with them. Is that right? I'm Here, trying to think CBR of the timeline. Was, it, yeah, it was. The, I think this was possibly the first event that happened. Um, we were working on some of the other worlds around the same time. So the solar fight night <laughs> was right around the same time as well. But yeah, this was right there at the initial uh, world building for big events um, beyond Burning Man. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then, of course, you've got this very uh, elaborate, nice, uh, beautiful stage. It's sort of like a, uh, I don't know, it's like you're inside uh, a disco ball that has this sort of spearing photon. I don't know. It's a lot of sci-fi <laughs> Sci-fi murder and roll is what they would say. Um, yeah. 
you're well, essentially in, in a, a really lit up spaceship and you take off right. from the moon you fly down to the earth and then <laughs> we we flew across the earth from there <laughs> right and so did were you involved at all in the getting the sort of um green screen performer in there or you created the stage and then the performer was put in through the mesh technology so we we did not have to um do the green screen filming um they actually had that um i think doug worked on cleaning up the green screen footage um which i do a lot at unc but i know it can be tedious and take time so that was awesome that he <laughs> that he cleaned up the green screen footage um and um uh, we then uh, we added it to um unity the so that it would you know be accessible once people joined for the event <laughs> i see and so was it a, was it running on a loop or like was it pre-recorded and then running a loop or was it live um it was not on a loop it was for a specific set time, um, they had recorded it a little bit in advance, and then I don't know that anyone knew this, but Pitbull actually came into AltSpace VR and was there <laughs> with people oh. <laughs> that did he night. Pitbull, or did he? He used a pseudonymous identity. <laughs> he, he was incognito that night, but he was there. Wow. That's kind of cool. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Um, cool. Before we move on, let's. Uh, I think Jason has something to add here. Jason. Yeah. Hey, Chrissy. Um, hey. So you guys are pretty much like prolific through the the, the VR space at this point. Um, I've seen where you guys started. I've seen you know how you guys have progressed throughout things. Um, obviously, you guys are like the absolute best at shaders in terms of effect and everything else. <laughs> But I've noticed you guys have really started putting in PBR textures. Is that something you guys are really focusing on for optimization and continuing to push through um, to increase quality? Um, we we still do a mix, I think, between more like our own custom written shaders and then just using PBR textures. We do love to use the normals, but usually we just use, you know, the albedo image and the normal texture that usually looks good. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. There, you know, there, there are others that you can add, but they don't make enough of a visual difference for it to be worth adding the extra, you know, image file for people to have to load when they come in on headsets. <laughs> Definitely. So you guys are kind of balancing that effect yeah. versus, you know, efficiency aspect yes. of it to make the overall best possible outcome for users. Definitely. Cool. Yeah. It's all about testing and see, you know, what's worth it to include um, and where things could be crushed and it not affect the experience. <laughs> well, thanks. Great question, Jason. And yeah, just working with these guys on this world here, they're, you know, they're optimizing the space and the, uh, the weight of it and all that stuff. So. Uh, Love it. Um, okay, so uh, let's let's move on here. So now we're getting into the the heavy duty stuff here. Uh, so this yeah. is when you got involved with oh, you know, just just a little organization called the United Nations. Maybe you could tell <laughs> us a little bit about this. Yeah. Um, so we worked with um, Dreamland, Sar, and Millennium Mart on um, it, this series of projects for the United Nations uh, Act Now VR campaign, uh, which is centered on raising awareness uh, for sustainability goals and promoting individual action, you know, for its climate change, like mitigating climate change. Um, this includes, you know, making simple changes in, in daily life habits. Um, and the, the series itself is an event that happens each month uh, with a new world. This first one um, that we see on the screen is the Al Wassel Dome in Dubai. And uh, this is this dome exists in the physical world in Dubai, and they have a projection show that, that runs on the, the dome's faces. And at, I know Kaz can also speak to this, but the getting the dome um, to look this beautiful in virtual reality <laughs> included painstaking UV mapping, you know, to make sure that the, the video actually was portrayed accurately to interact with not just those panel faces, but the, the architecture itself, because you can see um, the, 
the structure, like the metallic structure. It's, we, um, the UV mapping was really important to make sure that the video projection and the animations in it actually played with that architecture. Um, and then around, you, you can't just have a dome. You need, you know, places for people to hang out and, you know, step outside of the experience because um, the dome itself is gorgeous. It has music playing with it, you know, to heighten the experience. But sometimes you want to step away, you know, especially, you know, some folks might feel a little overwhelmed just being in a, you know, a music producing space. Um, and so with this, you know, came the idea of, okay, people should spawn in a, a lobby. And so um, I had fun designing out our, our Lotus lobby that you spawn in and it has educational panels, holographic panels around so that you can learn about, you know, the, the UN sustainable development goals and um, the Act Now campaign and, um, and a little interactive game in the lobby as well. And then as you step outside um, in this world, there's a pathway um, and you have two nice little alcoves on your left and right. Um, as you walk down the pathway, you can hear the, the drum circle starting to emanate from the, the alcove on the left and the, the nice warm roar of the fire pit on your right. And you can choose to go, you know, into one or the other. Um, and one of the important things in designing something like that is thinking about, you know, your sound bubbles, <laughs> your audio bubbles and, and how far they come out, you know, to where they would catch a, someone's attention, but not overpower the experience or collide with one another. Um, so that's part of designing for, you know, Im immersive social gatherings so that you encourage people, you know, to, to gravitate towards spaces that they might find enjoyable to talk, talk to others in. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this is, it's an incredible program uh, and it's really amazing you guys are involved and the, the, the shame of it, of course, is that you can only see it for a very limited amount of time and all this hard work that you guys have done is not able to be uh, enjoyed uh, more uh, of the year. So uh, <laughs> luckily we may be able to go there after the interview. So if you guys haven't yet yeah. checked out Al Wazel Dome, uh, we may have an exclusive world tour right here with Christy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, outside of tonight, um, in the future, during our monthly event, the our previous worlds for the Act Now um, VR series do reopen. So you have 24 hours during the event to check out the current world as well as go into the previous experiences. But then the rest of the month, you know, they're closed down and you have to wait until the next event, the next month. <laughs> And, and how long is this uh, running for? Um, how many worlds are you guys involved with or are they involved with? Um, gosh, I, I believe we're running through September cause I, I think that was right. Yeah, all the way through September, at least so far, that, that's what's planned. Um, who knows, you know, the inspiration may come uh, to where additional worlds are desired by UNESCO or the UN, you know, <laughs> so right. we'll see after this first series. <laughs> oh. Well, that brings us uh, right to the next one, which is the latest of these worlds. How cool is this one? It's Uluru, uh, which is in Australia, and it's very um, inspired by the Aborigines in Australia. Maybe you could walk us through this one, because this was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, so this one, it, we're right by the Uluru, which is this this beautiful rock structure that you see here, um, which is in Australia. And it's um, part of the national park there that this is a great example of what we would hope to see around the rest of the world. The local Aboriginal people there, they have been given back ownership, you know, and the ability to manage the land that they've been on for, for a very long time. Um, for a while there, you know, the Australia itself kind of took over managing the land and when you have people who are local to the area, they, they know how to take care of the land usually best. And um, the Australian government recognized this and, and that they've been there for a long time and actually gave, gave that ownership back. And now the land is jointly managed um, between the Aboriginal people there as well as the Australian government who helps, um, helps with resources and, and things like that. <laughs> 
Well, this was a, a really, really, first of all, uh, sort of awe-inspiring world because you it's this very psychedelic experience. And I was reading about it in the world and it's about Aborigines have, uh, they believe that this, their dreams are sort of, we are living in essentially a dream. It was created by this almighty creator or something like that. And kind of for me had a, a little bit of like, it feels a little bit like the metaverse in the sense, like we're sort of in this dream <laughs> world, you know, and so you have a dream world within a dream world and place um, those sort of cosmic dreams that the Aborigines have across the sky over Uluru was really, really cool. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think there's something to, to this belief. I mean, we already know that everything that we experience is a simulation in and of itself. It's happening in our minds. <laughs> We're taking, taking our inputs from the world around us and then experiencing it in our own unique way internally. <laughs> and of course, the other thing in this world is that you get to have fun. You get to follow this path and you see dingoes yep. and you see these lizards and then you get to play a didgeridoo. How cool is that? Yep. I mean, it's not, it, it, it is considered one of maybe the oldest instrument on earth. Um, so there's a really, really cool facts there. So we got to, I mean, that's my, I, I, I'm going to put in a request that we go to a little bit. Yes. I really love that. Yeah, it was, it was really fun um, to work on building out Uluru. Um, the, the world itself is very much focused on education and raising awareness, you know, for the local flora and fauna and, you know, the meaning of things um, for the local people. And so there are informational signs throughout this, this park walk that, that we've created um, and a winding path when behind the stage. So there is a stage and then behind that there's a winding path to kind of go through the nature and along the way you'll see, you know, plant life that's local to the area as well as uh, local animals <laughs> throughout the park as well. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. So um, I don't know how many of you have been there, but um, if you haven't, it's going to it's going to be a treat. So stick around for the end of the episode and we'll take a look. Um, so there's so many more worlds I could have uh, put in here, but for keeping our time down and, and respecting <laughs> your time, uh, I wasn't able to put them all. But there uh, we're going to put as many as we can in the show notes so that people can go and explore worlds in all space. Um, yeah. And so hopefully they can have their own world tour after we um, so I'd like to always end uh, these uh, by talking about the future, um, where you think all of this is headed, uh, first of all, and you're involved on the technical side. So are there any technological things in the near term that you're looking forward to utilizing? Ah, well, I am looking forward <laughs> to mesh. <laughs> um, and I, I, I've seen those videos, you know, of the incorporation with team and teams and I don't know if anyone out here uses Teams, but I do for my work at UNC, and I would love <laughs> to see that bridge between what we've been doing here, you know, for me in the evenings and weekends, you know, and in my in my fun time. Um, I'd love to see that link up with my my day job <laughs> and get sure. get more people. Um, for me at a university level, but for others that may be in their companies engaged with virtual meetings and being able to utilize this technology. Um, yes, future-wise, I am, of course, excited to continue working on the, the UN Act Now worlds. This is kind of essentially the culmination of what I went to school for. <laughs> it's, right. it's what I have been passionate about for a long time. Um, as an environment and science communicator and focus on immersive content um, and being able to engage people from around the world uh, with these topics, seeing people here in all space from all over the world, different time zones coming into these events. Um, I, we walk around through the world and you can hear people, you know, top actually talking about the topics they're talking about sustainability and the sustainable development goals and then you hear conversations in multiple different languages and it just makes me so happy to see that we're all able to gather here together in a shared space regardless of you know that physical distance <laughs> um other things i'm excited for i'm excited to also start getting into mixed reality more i have so many ideas 
for <laughs> interactive mixed reality experiences that I want to explore. So I think that's a, a future chapter that I am going to delve into here in the near, near future. Uh, so by that, do you mean augmented reality uh, and virtual reality? Like having, uh, it, I know that for example, at this next Burning Man, they wanted to have an event that you'll have alt space virtual uh, worlds, and then you'll have the actual playa world, and they'll be able to yeah. sort of interact a little bit. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about, or is there something different? That too, um, but also essentially like GIS enabled interactions where you could be, you know, walking through a historic area and you get close to the specific part of the area and that triggers, you know, a guide to pop up and tell you about the area. Um, it, let you know, you know, significant facts or meanings about the world around you as you're in it. <laughs> I I really want to work on that. And of course, incorporating games, you know, scavenger hunts are always a fun, <laughs> fun idea in the mixed reality space. Um, but also on the UNC side, um, we, so I am part of our UNC School of Medicine um, as a XR instructional media producer here, and we work closely with our hospital on campus, and we have um, a surgeon who wants to incorporate AR into into his surgeries and planning for them as well as doing the surgeries themselves, and uh, that's really inspiring me to want to be able to help him <laughs> and others like him, you know, uh, make these informed visualizations of these medical procedures that they're about to do and actually see overlays in real time and things like that. So lots of exciting avenues in the mixed reality space. Definitely a growing field. You definitely got involved in something that is going to be exploding uh, in, the, in the coming years. So uh, I, I can imagine there's going to be a lot of work in the future. If you had any time and if you had an ability to take on another job, how could people get in touch with you? Um, well, uh, we have a website, causechristy.com. Um, it's cause, and my name's the one that's hard to spell. <laughs> Christy, C-H-R-I-S-D-I.com. Um, and uh, we have um, a contact us on it. Um, you can Likewise, email us at causechristy at gmail.com um, or reach out, reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn a good bit. Um, so I'm Christy Finnison on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with people there too. I do receive messages there. <laughs> we will definitely put all of that in the show notes as well. And hopefully you can just up your rate. That's what we're looking for here. We know you're going to be busy, but now you can just charge for hopefully. That's, that's our goal after all. Um, great. So if anyone has any last, this is your last chance for a question before uh, we will uh, go on a world tour. Uh, anybody, anybody? And before we do go on the world tour, everyone uh, after the uh, interview here, we're going to have to jump on this stage here and we'll get a great picture with uh, Christy yeah. and everybody. Um, well, it was such a pleasure having you here, Christy. I feel like it's been a long time coming. I've been a fan of your work uh, for quite some time now. And uh, you've been in the audience a, a few times, and I'm very happy to have you on this stage with me here. And uh, it's been great to to know a little bit more of the backstory of your work. So thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you all for coming. <laughs> this is cool. fun. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you all for teleporting into this worldcast of Simulation Nation. Whether you're with us in virtual reality, listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or watching in glorious color on YouTube. And remember to subscribe to our Instagram, the Simulation Nation, Twitter at Simulation VR, and our Discord server. Join us next time for our interview with Blockchain Universe to cover crypto NFTs and all things Web3. Until then, stay plugged. Bye, friends. Ooh.